From Moses, the Midwest Organic and Sustainable Education Service, this is the In Her Boots podcast, a show about women cultivating the sustainable and organic agriculture movement and how she does it. My name is Lisa Kiverest, and I founded and lead the award-winning Moses In Her Boots project, providing training, resources, and support for women farmers. I'm a farmer myself, running in serendipity with my family in Wisconsin, and am the author of Soil Sisters, a toolkit for women farmers. The In Her Boots podcast celebrates the collaborative spirit of us women farmers and all women working to transform our food system and steward our land, sharing ideas and inspiration with each other. Whether you're a woman with a dream of starting your own farm or already have your hands deep in the soil, there's something for you here. Be sure to subscribe so you won't miss anything. We are finishing up our In Her Boots podcast series with Jen Reamer of Reamer Family Farm, talking about how value-added meat products add to the farm business mix and manage risk. Jen shares the challenges of finding processors to produce their value-added products such as sausage sticks and ground turkey, and opportunities for more ready-to-eat meat product options for today's busy consumers. Jen and her family have a regenerative and diverse livestock farm. They raise pastured meat and eggs in South Central Wisconsin. They're transitioning the farm from Jen's in-laws and a former commodity beef and corn operation to 100% grass-fed beef and lamb, as well as pastured poultry and hogs. Jen focuses on regenerating soil and bringing diverse ecology back to the land. We are wrapping up this In Her Boots podcast series with Jen Reamer of Reamer Family Farms, talking about the best stuff, the end product, as far as I'm concerned, with your delicious meats. And you um, direct market, Mm -hmm. right? A variety of different meat products. Yes. So one of your risk management strategies there is obviously diversity, right? Of having different things going on. I know you're we're recording this into the fall, so you're heading into the busy turkey Thanksgiving yeah. season. Is that when you do all your turkeys for? Yes. Because that's still yeah. what people want. Yes. Nobody wants a Christmas turkey. We learned that the oh. hard way. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Sell them all at Thanksgiving. Oh, fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. And um, what? And you obviously have everything processed and are sold as different cuts of the meats and things. Um, mm-hmm. And you also do some products too, like brats or things that use yep. your recipes or sausage or flavorings or seasonings, that kind of thing, right? Well, we work with our processor on, uh, we use Lena made meats for all of our four-legged animals. And um, they have kind of their standard recipes. Some very small processors will be willing to kind of work with you on your recipes and that sort of stuff. They really are not comfortable doing that. Some some aren't, um, but we have been able to talk with them about not using nitrates and MSGs, and they have been great to work with um, and been willing to make some adjustments for us. You know, on the other hand, there is corn syrup solids in some of our beef sticks because they're not comfortable doing it without and not, you know, not able to yeah. guarantee the quality of what they feel like they want their name on. So it's always, always a trick when you're working with a processor. Um, some will not do nitrate-free bacon if that is a priority for you. So it's really tricky to even get into a processor to begin with and then to get what you need from them. Sometimes you need to make do with the best possible local decision that may not be the ideal. Yeah, yeah. But that's the best uh, The best can be done. But it sounds yeah. like working with 
processors that you can feel you have a good partnership with, yes. right? And communication yes. strategies helps manage that yeah. side of it. That is the biggest thing, communication with the processor. You know, because if the packaging doesn't look nice and if your label isn't right and if it's not a product that people look at and are attracted to, it's not really going to sell. So we really try our best to communicate with them and keep them happy and at the same time get what we need to. Yeah, that's that's really one of the most important relationships in what we do is with the processors. Uh-huh. And that would too, I think, help from the legal side too. If you're just, everybody's professional in what they're doing mm-hmm. and they know what they can and can't do, which yeah. has to be respected too. But Right, right. And on the marketing side of your products, has that been a challenge, particularly with some, I mean, how would you generalize how people cook meat nowadays in the sense of, is it a lot of education on the marketing side? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, there's a small percentage of our customers that are foodies that, you know, can do anything with any cut. But, you know, for the most part, people want simplicity. Um, Everybody knows, most people know what to do with a pound of ground beef. So, you know, that's, you know, we, we try to keep it simple with the ground beef. But honestly, one of our most popular items is our beef sticks. We sell these packs of six beef sticks in four different flavors, and we can sample them at the farmer's market. And, you know, somebody's six-year-old son gets it in his mouth, and suddenly I've sold four packs of beef sticks because it's quick. It can go on a lunch, and, you know, you can slice up summer sausage or salami, and people just love that. And sometimes that's dinner for even for well, us. I've had that for dinner. <laughs> Cheese yeah. and summer sausage for dinner. But, you know, even the act of cooking food sometimes is too much to ask of people. So some of these value-added products are really pretty key for us. Um, And especially in the summer, grilling is a big deal. So the brats go really, really well in the summer. And now we're coming into fall, so we're pushing roasts. So (laughs) very seasonal. Which, that's true. You don't think about meat so much as that. But we tend to cook seasonally with meat based on the roast factor of cooler weathers, et cetera, and grilling. I didn't know I thought of it that way. What have been some of your more challenging cuts to sell? Yeah. Ground pork. Really? People, people don't appreciate ground pork. That's hard to At find. <laughs> I love it. I mean, pizza I have stuff. a lot of ground pork. Right. <laughs> so if anybody Good. needs ground pork, give me a call. Just because it's different enough for yeah, people. Yeah, it's... You know, it it doesn't have a strong flavor on its own, um, so people need to season it usually or, you know, um, combine it with ground beef or ground lamb or whatever to make meatballs or or something or just something that people aren't as familiar with. Um, Everybody can, you know, make a breakfast sausage casserole, but um, with ground pork, you, you need to add a little more excitement to it. Um, sometimes the roasts, you know, again, in the spring and summer, people aren't as keen on the roasts, but I love to do the roasts in the summer because that means I can throw it in a crock pot and I have to turn on my oven. Yeah, those, uh, and, and sometimes, you know, things like the short ribs and the bones, but, you know, again, those are things that go well in the fall and winter because people are looking for making broth and that sort of stuff. So marketing to what people are looking for at a certain time. That makes sense. Yeah. It, uh, do you find, is it a challenge for folks still in the whole cooking realm or you tend to attract more people who already have their foot in the foodie door, even if they're not fully there? They're doing home cooking. Yeah, definitely. It's, you know, most of our customers are families. Um, so families that are looking to, to cook, 
relatively quickly, either, you know, pretty simple meals or be able to cook a large amount at a time and put some in the freezer. So yeah, we find really the basic cuts, your middle of the road, you know, just ground beef that you can do anything with or your um, ribeye steaks or things that they're familiar with um, really go well. Yeah, the the brats are definitely um, one of our popular items because our processor makes some really excellent brats. Our jalapeno cheddar brats are oh, I haven't had those, the but I've had They're very good. Yeah, they're good on pizza. Yes, like I just you cook used them and, the Italian yeah, yeah, on yeah, pizza, yeah, 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 yeah. Right? Those yeah. are really good. The Italian sausage is good because your customers, bottom line, know there's nothing else in them. Right, there's not a whole bunch of junk. There's no MSGs and no. Um, no nitrates and, and that sort of stuff. They just want decent, clean food that they can feel good about feeding to their kids. So have there been some products along the way that you have developed and tried based on customer interest? I mean, like, for example, those beef sticks. What mm-hmm. what prompted that or did it, did it just make sense to try? Yeah, we hadn't done beef sticks. And then a few years ago, our processor was like, oh, have you tried the beef sticks? And I said, oh, I didn't even know that was an option. Thanks for asking. Mm -hmm. And so I had them make a small batch of beef sticks for us. And it was like a no brainer because it's adding value to ground beef, basically. And we always had more ground beef than we could sell because, you know, at least half of the animal is ground. Um, so we ended up having ground beef that we would have to fire sale or find something, you know, sell it at a low, low price to a restaurant or whatever. So it really was great for us to be able to do a value added product out of something that we had too much of anyway. Oh, sure. Um, and now it's become super popular. And, um, at Christmas time we do baskets with beef sticks and summer sausage and salami and ring bologna. And people love to give those as gifts for Christmas or, you know, something to give to a boss or a dad or an uncle. You know, men always like to get meat. We do the same thing at Father's Day. We do like these little meat baskets for dad Um, because they are a good gift because, you know, there's at least I always have the quandary of like, what do I get the men in my life? Because they don't really ever need anything. (laughs) Can't go wrong with meat. (laughs) Yeah, no, that makes sense. And the beef sticks too, again, going back to your core marketing strategy, there's not junk in them. Right. There's a lot of crazy ones on them. I mean, I don't even know. There's a lot of junk. Yours tastes distinctly different because of what's in them. So Mm -hmm. that's probably too creating a good niche for you Mm -hmm. of families that want to eat healthy and kids will always eat those, but they're so much better for you. Yes. And there is a tiny bit of education that goes along with that too, because they are not shelf stable whenever i see shelf stable meat i get a little <laughs> concerned you know those beef sticks they have laying out at the counter at the gas station are scary but yeah they don't last in the refrigerator forever because they don't have all the preservatives in them so i have to be really upfront with people but most people say oh don't worry they don't last more than two days at our house anyway so <laughs> they go quick that's true. We forget about that with mm-hmm. the, our shelf stable world. Yeah. Are there other areas you think for somebody, for some beginning women farmers going into just generally meat products in the value added realm that you think have opportunities or see clearly things that are ready to eat, yes. but still quality? Yeah, definitely. One thing that we are able to do this year for the first time, our poultry processor will not do value-added stuff really at all. Um, everything's bone-in. People are really looking for boneless cuts, um, but the processing, again, is the bottleneck for uh. everything. 
So we are actually taking 50 of our turkeys to a secondary processor who's going to do some ground turkey and some turkey sausage and smoke the turkey legs for us and that sort of stuff. So that I expect um, will be super popular. I've already got people. I've always had people asking for ground chicken and ground turkey, and I've never been able to do it until we discovered this um, other processor um, whose name is completely escaping me right now. But that's something that we're going to be able to do this year. And um, get, figuring out the processing end before you even yeah, buy an animal that is, is a real challenge. the number one because there really is a huge lack of good USDA processors. And you need a processor to scale for what you're doing too, right? Or not too yeah. big, not too small? It's been a real difficulty for us. We use family owned processing. Um, we use Lena made meats for our um, beef and pork and lamb. And I literally booked them out into the new year back in July. Wow. I mean, it was, it's crazy. I had to book my pigs. We buy feeder pigs at 30, 40 pounds. I booked my pigs the day they came to my farm. And I really don't know that they're going to be exactly done on those days, but those are the days I got, so they shall go, um, which really is kind of stinky because I would like to get, you know, I would like to be able to control that, control that. more, yeah, yeah, yeah. but at this point, we don't have a lot of options, so yeah, we need more great meat processors. <laughs> we do. We need more women butchers and other yes. things like that for sure. You know, it's very clear on that note, and yeah. especially... For smaller scale processors or folks just getting into it. But that idea, when you talk about the value added or or even the sausage, for example, that's a pretty specialized process, is it? Mm -hmm. I mean, would a processor need equipment or is it? Yeah, Yeah, they need the specialty equipment to do the, you know, I I think it's like an extruder. I know it sounds horrible when you're talking about food, but, you know. Well, no, I had an Eastern European family. We all had our own sausage maker (laughs) at home. It was kind of gross, but it was very good. Yeah, yeah. You know, to make the beef sticks into sticks. And, you know, that's stuff that costs them a lot and they need a certain volume to have that kind of equipment. So the very, very small processors aren't going to be able to do a lot of that for you. Um, So, you know, like Lena that we use – I don't know if they're considered a medium-sized processor, but they will do, I think, 20 to 25 beef a day on a on a Tuesday, and then the next day they'll do um, like 60 hogs or sheep. So, I mean, they have a decent scale enough to have a fair number of employees and have the equipment, but any bigger than that, and you can lose sort of the, the personal care yeah. for the animals and for me as the customer. So it's a real balancing act. Terrific. All right. Well, thank you so much for all the ideas and inspiration, Jen. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to our In Her Boots podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Kiverest, with the Moses In Her Boots project. This episode's audio engineer was Liam Kiverest of TechSocket.net. The podcast was brought to you by the Midwest Organic and Sustainable Education Service, Moses. The mission of Moses is to educate, inspire, and empower farmers to thrive in a sustainable, organic system of agriculture. For more information on Moses, in her boots, and a bounty of organic resources, check out mosesorganic.org.